Have you ever felt isolated before? Probably some of us are feeling that way right now. You're told uh, to stay at home, don't go out, uh, only essential activities, and maybe your job is not essential, or maybe you're retired and you're just at home. Uh, I spoke with one of you this week, and you expressed how going to church and going to the gym, two things you can't do right now are your favorite social activities. And so maybe you're feeling a little lonely, a little isolated today. I've been thinking about isolation. You know, for some, they say, well, I love to be by myself because I'm a, an extreme introvert. And, and while there are people that love being by themselves, nobody likes to be isolated all the time. Isolation is sometimes used as a punishment. Have you ever, when you were a kid, been put on timeout? You have to go sit in a chair, sit in the corner, go to your room by yourself. My wife didn't tell me I could share this, but I think it's probably okay. She liked being sent to her room as a kid because that meant she could read books on her own. And she could be by herself, away from her sister for a while. You know how that goes. But often, isolation is a punishment. What about prisoners? If you're a really bad prisoner, sometimes you get put in solitary confinement. You're enclosed in a small space all by yourself, and you're there for as long as the warden deems you need to be there. Uh, it's a punishment. So we're dealing, many of us, with this isolation, and, and some of us are feeling punished or we're feeling alone, and it's a little unsettling. But there's good news today that I want to share to you from God's Word. Uh, Revelation has some especially beautiful words as we think about isolation. You know, really, the whole story of humanity, the story of our world, could be summed up in terms of isolation versus community. Uh, in the very beginning, God has always been here, but God has always existed in community. We believe God is three, yet somehow one. God has always enjoyed fellowship. Just from the very beginning in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, God, Elohim, a plural uh, noun there, plurality. And then it says God created, and it uses a singular verb. So a plural God did a singular act. And we get hints and clues that God has existed and exists in community ever since the beginning. Later on in verse 26 of Genesis 1, God says, let us make man in our image. This God that lives and exists in community wanted to create other beings like himself to enjoy community, to enjoy fellowship together. And think about the creation of Adam and Eve. When God created Adam, did he just speak him into existence like he did the stars? Like he did the firmament, the land, the, the expanse of the sky? Uh, probably like he did the animals? No. Genesis 2 tells us that God got down and dirty in the mud, in the dirt, and formed man out of the ground. God created us in his image, relational beings designed for community, 
and he did it in the most intimate way possible with his own two hands. Inasmuch as God needs to have hands or uses hands. So we were created to be with God, with one another in the beginning. But then what happens in Genesis chapter 3? Adam and Eve make a choice. Eve was deceived, Adam was not, but he chose along with his wife. And instantly after they realized they had sinned, sin did something in their heart that broke this community. And all of a sudden, they started socially distancing themselves from God. They ran away, the Bible says, they hid when they heard the sound of God walking in the garden of the cool, in the cool of the evening. They had quarantined themselves. They were isolating themselves. They were afraid of God. And finally, when God starts talking with them directly, they're blaming each other. They're blaming God. Sin causes isolation. Sin causes this separation. Eventually, God said, because of your choice, you need to leave this garden home. And as you recall, what did God place at the entrance, at the gate of the garden there in Eden? He put an angel, an angel with a flaming sword. God enacted the first quarantine. Because sometimes isolation is not only uh, something that's kind of a punishment, but sometimes isolation is for protection. The reason that God put that quarantine with that angel there was so that they couldn't eat from the tree of life and be perpetual sinners to spread this virus of sin throughout the rest of the universe. And so God said, I'm sorry, but you can't come into the garden anymore. You've got to stay there for the safety of the rest of the universe. But in that moment, he didn't leave them hopeless. He didn't leave them isolated forever. He made them a promise. And he said, I'm going to send through your descendants one who will fix the problem of separation, of isolation. Simply said, sin isolates us. What does it say in Isaiah 59 verse 2? God says there, but your iniquities, and that's another word for sins, have separated you from your God. Sin causes this isolation, this separation, this lonely feeling that we get in our hearts. And so we live in this world, as C.S. Lewis puts it in the Space Trilogy, he calls it the silent planet. The planet that is isolated and self-quarantined because of its sin that has separated. So we see these, these themes that pop up throughout scripture as you look at it from this lens of isolation versus community. The first murder takes place a couple of chapters later in Genesis. Cain kills his brother Abel. And after Cain kills his brother and God has this conversation with him, what does God say to him? God says in Genesis 4, chapter, chapter 4, verse 12, that uh, you will be a fugitive and a vagabond upon the earth. In other words, Cain, Cain, because of what you've done, you have self-isolated yourself. You're now removing yourself from, from my continual presence and joyful presence. You're removing yourself from your family. And so Cain goes off by himself and he eventually builds his own empire, an empire isolated from the one 
that God had originally established. Years go by, we get to Moses. Moses is there in Egypt. He's the prince of Egypt, as it were. And then what happens? He sees this Egyptian viciously beating one of his uh, relatives, as it were, and he gets mad and he kills the Egyptian. And when he's found out, he gets scared. And that fear drives him to run away. He isolates himself. And where does he go? He went to the wilderness, the most isolated place you can go. And he was there for 40 years. 40 years of isolation because of his choice. But I want to observe something there. In our mistakes, we often blame ourselves and beat ourselves up because of what we've done. And we forget that God can do something amazing through our mistakes. What, did ha what happened to Moses when he was in the wilderness? That's where Moses got to see God face to face. In as much as one can see God face to face. He got to talk to God at the burning bush. He got to grow and learn leadership skills, practicing with his sheep, skills that he would use as he herded the Israelites through the wilderness later on. So maybe you've made some mistakes in your life that has caused isolation, caused you to feel distant from God, caused you to feel distant from others. God wants to help you grow through that experience and turn this mistake into an opportunity. An opportunity to grow and to come back stronger than before. As I believe that this is an opportunity while we're isolated due to the virus, to grow and to, to strengthen and learn to connect in ways that we hadn't connected before. So that when we get to come back together again, whenever that might be, we can come back as a stronger community, a more intentional community. And then you go on to Leviticus, Leviticus 23. Talking about the Passover, God commanded everybody. Before this Passover, you need to rend your hearts. You need to prepare your hearts for what's to come. And it says there in Leviticus 23, 29, that the people who didn't were to be cut off from their people. They were to be isolated from the people. God gave very specific instructions and this isolation, in a large part, was to protect the rest of the group from that rebellious one. So God says, we've well, got to quarantine that person. They're cut off from you. Because sin spreads like a virus. It spreads like, uh, like COVID-19, but, but far worse. And so God said, you've got to cut them off. What about Jonah? Jonah made a big mistake. God said, go, and he said, no. He isolated himself, tried to go the opposite way, tried to go somewhere totally different from where God was leading him. And finally, God had to, in his isolation, in the belly of that fish, God was able to work, and God was able to do good things and get him back on track. But again, the story is communion, community, togetherness with God, or isolation in our sins. But God had promised in Genesis 3 that there would be somebody to come unify and bring us back together again. 
drawing us out of our isolation. Of course, that promised one came and they called him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God together with us. And Jesus came to this world, this world, and he knew what it was like to feel lonely and isolated. John chapter 16, verse 32, Jesus said these words. He said, behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Jesus recognized in his moment of greatest difficulty and anguish, in his greatest struggle, he was going to be left alone. But not really, because the verse continues. John 16, 32, Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. Jesus realized, even in his loneliest moment on planet Earth, he wasn't truly alone. And friend, you may be feeling alone uh, in your home and isolated, in your apartment, in your house, wherever you might be. But just know, if Jesus believed that God was with him, he's with you too. And you can talk to God. You can fellowship with him. You can read his word. Ask him to speak to you this afternoon. And God also speaks to us through human beings. So you can call up someone else. Text someone. Message them. Let them know that uh, you're there for them too. But ultimately... We're talking about God's cure for isolation because Jesus came down to provide the solution. But Revelation reveals the outworking of this plan to end the isolation permanently. And we're just going to look at a, a number of verses. So get out your Bibles, your smartphones. Get out something that you can look at yourself. We're going to Revelation chapter 1. And we're going to start there, right there in Revelation chapter 1. Verse 1. When you get there, say amen in your house. Revelation chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. And he sent and signified by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all the things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and those who keep the things which are written in it for the time is near. This was a special message revealing Jesus. It's not a book that's meant to scare us. It's a book that's meant to reveal Jesus and his plan for our world. And as we're thinking about isolation and community, we're going to see some beautiful passages that remind us that this Emmanuel, this God with us, has plans for us never to feel isolated ever again as he restores the world to all things. You'll notice there in verse 7, this symbolic, or not symbolic, but this image, this future look of Jesus. And it says in verse 7, Behold, he, Jesus, is coming with clouds, and how many eyes will see him? Every eye will see him. That means that not, you don't just have one person who gets to go up to heaven at one time and another person at another time. No, no, no. We all get to see Jesus at the same time in community when he returns to this world. 
we get to experience that moment together. But I tell you, it's really, it's really great when you get to experience something together. Have you ever noticed when you're in an audience and the speaker says something that's kind of funny, sometimes people will look around at the other people, kind of look around. We do that sometimes reflexively because we like to participate in a funny moment and a shared special moment together. I do this with my wife in different ways. Um, sometimes good moments, sometimes bad moments. I'll take a bite of something that tastes horrible and I'll say, hey, this is terrible, you gotta try it. <laughs> and while it may seem weird, you want the other person to know and experience what you're going through. And so when Jesus comes back, we will all get to experience it together at the same time collectively. No isolation in that moment. Just a wonderful time of community. Look at verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in tribulation and the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. John, who wrote Revelation, did it from a place of isolation. John was on Patmos, this rocky outcropping of an island, and he was writing uh, a, this letter that would go by boat across the sea to the various seven churches, and he was isolated. He was alone. He was there with other prisoners, but he wasn't there with his church people, the people that he really loved and wanted to be with. He was there because he was faithful to Jesus, and that's where Jesus allowed him, out of this moment of isolation and loneliness, to write these words that are giving us hope today. And so we continue through the book of Revelation, and we see Jesus now in verse 13. Symbolically, he's walking here in verse 13. It says, and in the midst of the seven lampstands, which elsewhere are defined as the seven churches, stood one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded uh, about his chest with a gold band. Jesus is walking amidst the seven lampstands because he wants to be with his people. He doesn't want it to be isolated. And so you go to Revelation uh, chapter 3, continuing on, we see words from Christ himself in Revelation. What is his desire for us? Revelation 3.20. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. Now, when you go to someone's house and you knock, is it because you don't want to see them? Of course not. You go to the house and you knock on their door because you want to see them. You want to be with them. Unless you're doing like a ring and run. But even then, you have good intentions, generally, for that person. Jesus is knocking at the door of our hearts, as it were, because he wants to be with us. Notice what it says next. If anyone hears my voice, he's, he's, he's also calling out. He's not just knocking, he's saying, hello, can I come in, are you home? If you hear his voice, and they open the door, I will come in and I will dine with him, and he with me. One of the best ways to socialize is over food, right? Boy, there's just nothing like sharing a meal together. 
Jesus says, I want to share a me. I want to be united with you. I don't want there to be any isolation or separation. Sure, you may have sinned a whole bunch, but that's what I'm good at, taking care of the sin problem. And in spite of what you've done, I love you. I long for you. I want to be with you forever. Revelation continues to reveal that God simply wants to be with us. And if we had time, we'd, we'd spend time going through Revelation 4. As you look at Revelation 4, you get a glimpse into the heavenly throne room, Revelation 4, Revelation 5. And it's not a lonely place. You may have read books or seen films about uh, throne rooms. Well, Revelation shows us that God's throne room is anything but lonely. The 24 elders are there. The four living creatures are there. They're leading out in perpetual worship and praise. God is there. God exists in community. And he longs for us to be in community also. What about Revelation 7? Flip over, turn, hit the button to go to Revelation chapter 7. We looked at this uh, several weeks ago. Look at verse 9. After these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, peoples, tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palm branches in their hands. And they're crying out praise and glory to God. Here is a massive crowd. Now, now those of you that have the fear of crowds, what's that called? Uh, agoraphobia or something like that? Uh, maybe I got that wrong. You can correct me in the stream on Facebook. That's fine. I'm here to learn. But people who have that fear, you're not going to have that fear in heaven. So when you get to a crowd in heaven, you will say, I feel just as at peace here as I do by myself. So don't worry about that. Let this imagery not scare you. This is going to be awesome. We're all together. We're right there with access to Jesus himself, to God the Father, to the Holy Spirit, all there together. Look at verse 15 in chapter 7. It says, Therefore they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple, and who sits on the throne will dwell among them. Heaven is not a place of isolation. Heaven is a place of togetherness, of community, of fellowship, better than anything that we have here in this world. Let's go to Revelation 14. Revelation 14. We may feel isolated in this world now, but we won't in the kingdom to come. And by the way, if you need some alone time in heaven, God will let you have some alone time too. It's not like you have to always be with a whole bunch of people all the time. You can go off to your private mansion, your private room, prepared by God. Maybe take a tour of the galaxy all by yourself if you want to. But it won't be a place of isolation. Revelation 14, verse 1. Then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion. Who's the lamb? The lamb's Jesus. And with him standing the 144,000, having his father's name written on their foreheads. Again, we get to be together with Jesus. I mean, you don't get access like this in this world to the important people like this. You just, it just doesn't happen. But in heaven, we're seeing 
image after image where God's people are shown with Jesus. He'll have plenty of time for us because we have forever. You won't have to make an appointment and, and wait for a million years. You'll get to see Jesus often, frequent. Later in verse 4, chapter 14, it says, these are the ones that follow the Lamb wherever he goes. We're just going to want to go where Jesus is. Hey, where's Jesus? Oh, he's over there. Let's go over there. Let's see what he's up to right now. Heaven is a place of togetherness, not isolation. Look at verse, uh, chapter 20. Let's flip to the end. Revelation chapter 20. We could look at more verses, but we'll look at these ones. Revelation 20, verse 6. After Christ comes and takes us up to heaven during that thousand years before God brings us back to the earth and makes the earth new again, there's this thousand-year period called the millennium. And look at what it says, Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection. Over such the second death has no power. But they, and that's talking about you and me, faithful ones, whom Jesus has cleansed by his blood. It says, over such the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Now, the word reign, that indicates that that we're not just the little people. We get to reign like a king with Jesus. In fact, in another verse, it says that we get thrones. It's going to have to be a lot of thrones. And I know that that heaven's supply and production, they will be prepared for all the thrones that they need instantly whenever we need them. Amen? Amen. So we see that we get to be together. We get to sit on thrones. We get to judge together. We get to look through the records of life and see that God has made the right decision in each in every case. And then we get to chapter 21. Look at chapter 21, verse 1. And now I saw a new heaven and a new earth after Jesus brings us back down to this old earth and makes it new again at the end of the thousand years. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and also there was no more sea. This is a strange verse. No more oceans? Well, Many people believe that this is saying in heaven, at least when when the earth is made new again, we won't have the big oceans like we do. We'll still have plenty of bodies of water. Uh, We've already um, seen at other times the sea of glass and the river of life. And so there's going to be a lot of bodies of water. But there won't be these massive oceans that separate continents from one another. That separate people from being able to to easily see one another. John, remember, he's writing from the island of of Patmos. He is separated by a sea. And so God throws out a little special nugget for him. He lets him see that there won't be this sea, this ocean, this big body of water that causes separation. And some have suggested that this is merely symbolic, and that may be. But the big idea is, in heaven, it's about togetherness. In heaven, it's not about isolation. It's not about 
uh, being so far from one another that we can't travel to see each other. Of course, travel's going to be totally uh, a billion times better in heaven and so much easier uh, and free, by the way. A friend of mine was trying to, trying to leave. He found a good a plane ticket to go back to his home and see his family this week. Couldn't get to go. Airline canceled the ticket. It was only like a $45 trip. He's going to try again on Sunday. Uh, travel is difficult right now. By the way, the return trip is only $30. Um, of course, if they don't keep canceling flights. Heaven, we don't have to worry about that. John saw, there's no more sea. John saw, has seen all these things. We get to be with the Lamb. We get to follow Him. We get to be with one another. And it gets even better than that. Look at verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is isolated from men. I'm sorry. I think I may have missed. Is with men. He will be quarantined from them. No. He will be with them. And they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. Won't that be awesome? God will be with us. And of course, we have to read verse 4. It says, And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain. How many of you are in pain today? Any sort of pain? Probably most of us have some sort of pain right now that we've just been ignoring. Your old arthritis acting up, the pain of allergies that you're dealing with, the pain of loss that's in your heart. God says there will be no more pain of any sort. For the former things have passed away. Then he said, who sat on the throne, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. It just doesn't get any better than that. We may live in a place of isolation, in a world that right now has social distancing and quarantines and all these things. And we live in a world even before the virus that was isolated. People are more connected on social media, but yet far less connected in actual meaningful connections. Not so in heaven. Not so. By the way, we'll have perfect memories in heaven. And so you won't have that thing where you know somebody's face, but you just can't remember the name. And then you, hi, how you doing, John? And you're like, good to see you, you pal. I think God's going to give us memories that recall instantly. Heaven will be a perfect place. No isolation, no pain, no suffering, no viruses, no death, no sorrow, for the former things have passed away. Now let's go to the last chapter, chapter 22, and we're going to look at the very last verse. But before we do that, let's look at verse 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him who hears say, Come. And let whoever thirsts come, whoever desires, let him take of the water of life freely. 
Read these last two chapters on your own this afternoon. There's a beautiful picture of what heaven's going to be like, just a fraction of what it will be like. And God, through these verses, is saying to us, come, be a part of my kingdom. I want you to be a part of my kingdom. But not only that, I want you to invite others to be a part of this kingdom also. You're a part of my plan to reach other people. You know people that are isolated right now because of the virus. You know people that just are are living at home because their bodies don't work like they used to and they can't get out like they used to. Perhaps Jesus today wants to work through you to remind them of how good the future glories of heaven will be. Perhaps Jesus wants to work through you today to send a text message, to make a call to someone, to send someone uh, a message online, to let them know that you're thinking about them, to let them know that you care about them, to let them know that heaven's going to be good and you're inviting them to go along. Not because we're worthy, but because Jesus is worthy. And so we're given this invitation. And then the very last verse of the whole Bible, it says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The very last verse of Scripture talks about community. The grace of Jesus being with us. And of course, Jesus promised his followers that he would send his presence, the comforter, to be with them. He wouldn't leave them orphans. And so Jesus says, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. Amen. I'm looking forward to that day. How about you, friends? I want to be there. I want Jesus to return. And I recognize that Jesus wants to use me and he wants to use you to help others to make that choice also. Do you want to be a part of this work? Just do something today. Find somebody to call. Find somebody to reach out to. Just to stay in touch, stay connected. Or maybe there's someone in your life that you've been isolated from for whatever reason. Maybe Jesus today will impress you to reach out to them, to start mending a bridge that was burned. I don't know what God's doing in your life and what he wants to do, but I want to respond to what he says to me. How about you? Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, I am so grateful that even though we self-isolated due to our sin, You followed us. You chased us down. Jesus, you caught uh, up to us. You became the curse in order to destroy the curse of sin. And this morning, we've just been reminded briefly of how good heaven's going to be and how wonderful and together we will be. Father, we want to be a part of that group. And we pray that when you come back, not only we will rise up in the air to meet you, but people who you have Uh, used us to reach, will be there too. We're thinking about our family members, our friends, our relatives, our neighbors, our co-workers, even the people that we don't care for very much, Lord. We want them to be there too. We want to live together in harmony with you forever and ever. So show us today what our next step is. Show us how to take this to uh, a practical conclusion this afternoon. Use us 
to reach others, to encourage others this day and each day. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We'll be back here again next week. Uh, we'll be doing our Sabbath school class at 930. You can find a link for how to access that on our website, parkwood.adventistfaith.org. Um, this week, we'll be doing our prayer service, our prayer meeting at 7 p.m. And instead of using the conference call hotline, we're going to be using the Zoom conference like we used for our, work, our uh, Sabbath school this morning. We'll be updating our website with information about that. I'll send out some text messages to your prayer meeting regulars. But we want to expand the circle to invite all to participate who wants to. Uh, also, if you want to bring your offering by in person, someone will be here for the next half hour. We'll keep our social distance. But if you want to drop it off, you're welcome to do that. God bless you, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye.